Hello and welcome to Trending Pet Food, the industry podcast where we cover all the latest hot topics and trends in pet food. I'm your host and editor of Pet Food Industry Magazine, Lindsay Beaton, and I'm here today with Sean Madison, Director of North American Business Development at InnovaFeed. Hi, Sean, and welcome. Hi, Lindsay. Thanks for having me. In case you're not familiar with Sean or InnovaFeed, here's what you need to know. Sean's experience includes a decade at various stages of the food industry in both retail and the consumer packaged goods spaces. He received his undergraduate degree from the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign and his MBA from the University of Chicago Booth School of Business. He lives in Chicago with his wife, daughter, and their three-year-old Husky Shepherd mix named George. InnovaFeed is a global biotech company and leading producer of insect ingredients, leveraging proprietary breakthrough technology that returns insects to their natural place in the food chain. When combining the black soldier fly's ability to upcycle low-value agricultural co-products into high-value ingredients like proteins and oils, along with InnovaFeed's innovative industrial symbiosis model, the results are highly performant and highly sustainable solutions across animal nutrition applications. Sean Madison is one of our concurrent session speakers at Pet Food Forum 2023, being held at the beginning of May, and he'll be speaking on quantifying the environmental impact of pet food ingredients and products via life cycle assessment. As a preview to this, as well as to gain more insights into the idea of a life cycle assessment and how it might fit into the pet food industry, I brought Sean on today to answer this question. How can a life cycle assessment be used to improve sustainability in pet food? Sean, I'm going to start with the basic 101 question to get us rolling here. So what is a life cycle assessment? It's a great question, and it's kind of a hot topic in the pet food space these days. So a life cycle assessment, or an LCA, or sometimes known as a life cycle analysis, is in a nutshell a quantitative analysis of the environmental aspects of a product, a service, or an organization. But what's different than other environmental analyses is that this conducts over the entire life cycle of that product, service, or organization, and across multiple types of impacts on the environment. What I mean by life cycle is this does not mean just the direct effect that your organization has on that product, service, or your entire organization, but also the upstream and downstream activities associated with that as well. It also is measured quantitatively across multiple types of impacts on the environment. So typically, when we think of environmental impact, we think of things like CO2 emissions, but this also includes things like land use, water use, energy use, We have 16 KPIs that we're measuring, all the way down to eutrophication, ecotoxicity, et cetera, et cetera. The list goes on. Is this something that companies have already been using in different ways and now we're starting to make use of it in the sustainability eco-consciousness state? Or is this something that is completely new to some businesses? The LCA methodologies have been around for a while. The International Organization for Standards has some guidelines for conducting LCAs. So they've been around for quite some time, but they're really picking up steam as kind of the analysis of choice when trying to quantify environmental impacts. And there's even kind of further methodologies that are gaining steam, including in the European Union, the product environmental footprint methodology is one that comes to mind that are essentially taking this to the next level. And the whole goal of the LCA is to get everybody on the same page, speaking the same language, 
sustainability is a trend that is here to stay. When we read articles in the pet food industry, sustainability is always named as one of the top one, two, or three trends in pet food. And I don't think anyone would say that that's going to go away anytime soon. So while it's not necessarily a new tool, it is being used probably more so than ever before and really helping companies along the value chain achieve their sustainability targets, whether that's emissions, biodiversity, a variety of different initiatives across kind of sustainability initiatives. We're already talking about the uses of an LCA. So let's dive a little deeper. What information specifically does an LCA provide? What questions are you looking to answer when you start a life cycle assessment? Yeah, the main question that you're looking to answer is what is the impact of the thing that you're measuring? And again, it can be across a variety of different KPIs ranging from CO2 emissions, energy use, all of the things I mentioned before. But essentially, you have to go through this very formulaic process and essentially determine exactly what you're going to measure, make some decisions on how you're going to measure it, and then actually go through this formula that is very well outlined. To actually start a life cycle assessment, the first thing to do is find a partner to do this. These are relatively complex exercises that require rigorous compliance to standards and methodologies. Unless you're in a big multinational corporation that has those capabilities, I would highly recommend finding a third-party consultant that is an expert on these kind of things. And there's four official phases in an LCA, but there's really an unofficial fifth that I think is arguably the most important. The first phase is the goal and scope definition. One of the things that they do is called a perimeter study. So it's really understanding what you're measuring and basically what the boundary of what you're measuring is. They call this defining the scope. And there's different scopes. There's something called cradle to grave, cradle to gate, gate to gate. And this basically says, we're going to start the measurement of the impact on the environment at this point, and we're going to end it at this point. And what cradle to grave means is from the time the first raw material comes out of the earth and is used to the time that that product is actually like disposed of, whether that's in a landfill or recycled, we're going to measure the entire environmental impact across that spectrum. Now, for a company like InnovaFeed, that is a supplier to end basically further formulation, we use what's called cradle to gate. So essentially, we take the impacts of everything from the raw materials all the way up to when it leaves our facilities. And the reason we do that is because we then further incorporate into our downstream partners. So whether that's distribution or pet food formulators who can then basically take that and say, we've accounted for all the upstream emissions and environmental impacts. And that's what's going to basically be incorporated in now our LCA as well. I think I was thinking of LCAs as sort of compartmentalized, as in if you're a manufacturer, you do this to this. If you're an ingredient supplier, you do this to this. But it sounds to me like it's more of a everybody's doing an assessment of their own portion. And then from start to finish, you end up with a unified picture, but a lot of different people are involved. Is that generally how that works? Because how can a manufacturer do a complete life cycle assessment if the ingredient supplier is not on board, if the packaging people aren't on board, if the distributors aren't on board? How do you coordinate something like that? It's a great question. And it comes to some of the other choices that you have to make too. One is the methodology that you choose. So that, as I mentioned before, 
The International Organization for Standards has created some methodologies. The European Union has built upon that as well in what's called the product environmental footprint methodology. There's also decisions based on how you allocate emissions on two different products within what is considered a functional unit. You have to determine what this functional unit is, and you have to determine the scope of your location. If you have multiple production facilities, for example, you need to establish a geographical location because that will have impacts on where your energy and things like that would come from as part of the equation. And so the next stage after defining that scope is really do that life cycle inventory analysis. And this is where you would basically look at all of your inputs and your outputs, your flows essentially. So this would include raw materials, energy, the emissions into the air, the emissions into the water, the emissions into the ground. And this is where you would determine whether or not you can use primary data or you can go basically into some of the many databases that exist and grab kind of average data. You can grab data for geographies if you're not able to get that primary data from either your upstream or your downstream suppliers. So that is basically a way to, if you can't for whatever reason, whether it's impossible to allocate what happens to a product after it leaves the store, um, you have to make some assumptions. And I think that's one of the things about LCA in general is that it is inherently a model and a simplification of reality. So you have to make some assumptions along the line. The third step in the LCA is the life cycle impact assessment. So really taking all of these inputs after you define the scope and define the, the perimeter and what you want to measure, and you actually quantify that impact across the different aspects that you're uh, you're interested in. Innova feeds uh, current LCA that we're going through right now. We have 16 different KPIs that we're focused on, and the fourth is the actual interpretation of that data. What does this impact actually mean in the context of your organization? What does that mean for your business relationships? Everything like that. It's really helpful to perform sensitivity scenario analyses and further analyses on top of this data to say, where is this going to take us? What's the point of this? And that leads to the fifth phase that I said was maybe the most important. That's not an official phase when it comes to the standards, but is really the so what, the LCA in general. Why do we go through this big exercise? What does this mean for us? And it's really kind of incorporating these results and these exercises into the strategy of your organization, coming up with improvement plans that incorporate not only your organization, but your upstream and your downstream partners. It also comes out to how you communicate these activities, how you work with the consumer population so they can understand what you're working on, why this is important, and how this fits into what they should be concerned about as well. So that's in a nutshell how the LCA would work from start to finish. That sounds like a lot. So let's break it down a little bit more. This is obviously something that is going to gain traction that more and more companies are going to be looking at. It's just something that needs to be done, really. And in some way or another, companies might have already been doing this all along, maybe without the name to it, maybe without the standards, but probably some pieces of this have always been happening in terms of building a business strategy and just you know seeing how your product flows. Let's say they want to formalize it. They want to do an LCA. They want to figure out who to partner with to make this happen. What are the resources necessary? And what are, say, the first three steps to start making this happen? Just so we can bring it back a little bit in case people are feeling overwhelmed by everything that you just said. 
Yeah, it is a complex process. So the first thing would be to really engage with different consultants, different organizations that can help you along this path. And I would say talk to several. Different organizations are equipped to handle different industries and different organizations along the value chain in those industries. It really is one of those, it needs to be a right fit for where you fit in based on your industry and your location in the value chain. And number two is just, I think you have to recognize what the investment would be, because this is going to be not only a monetary investment, but an investment of your team's time and energy and obviously resources. So you have to weigh kind of the pros and cons. And I think that comes down to who should do an LCA. And as we said, there's kind of some barriers to entry in the sense that it is pretty time and resource intensive. Ideally, in the end of the day, is everyone. This need for transparency is not only for certain players. It should ideally be for everyone across the board. But again, this is a time and commitment investment. So a few examples of players in the pet food industry who should consider conducting an LCA if they haven't done this already is upstream suppliers. So whether that's feed or packaging, et cetera, to brands who have environmental targets. So many brands have emissions targets. They have, you know, 2025 goals, 2030 goals, 2050 goals, et cetera. And they need to show quantifiable ways that they can meet those targets. And having their upstream suppliers perform LCA is one of the ways to do that. The brands themselves who have sustainability targets. So this is a one way to quantify for, you know, in their wheelhouse and coordinate with their upstream suppliers to do that. And then companies like InnovaFeed who have novel ingredients or novel production methods that differ from the status quo, like whose results would be different than like an average value in, in a database. So if you have something that is really innovative, whether that's a material or a process, you might want to do an LCA to kind of quantify that and share those results with your partners. Once you go through that and you have the data, what do you do with it? And then how do you translate it to communication with the end consumer. And I guess I'm talking about manufacturers here because your customer obviously is a manufacturer as an ingredient supplier. And then the manufacturer who has these sustainability goals, who has this messaging and this branding, what parts of the LCA can be used to prop up that messaging and convey it to consumers? Or is it all very much an internal thing that you figure out and then have the assurance that you are conveying the right thing with your marketing? It's a great question. I think the goal would be that this is the carbon footprint, so to speak, or other of the KPIs measured of that product or service. It absolutely is something that the manufacturer or brand or basically the one that is selling to the consumer can and should advertise basically as a transparent way of, of saying, this is our carbon footprint. These are the efforts that we did. And I think that is one of the main objectives, especially when you're using an innovative ingredient like insect ingredients that really are built for their performance to go along with high sustainability. And one call out is the LCA methodologies are created to essentially have one language to speak when it comes to environmental impacts. And they attempt to standardize this process, but there will always, always, always be different pathways. So when you work with upstream or downstream partners after you've conducted your LCA for the first time, do not be surprised that there's going to be some more work after that. I think one of the mistakes that can be made is that once you finish your LCA with this consultant, 
your work there is done. You have a prepackaged thing that you can just take to your customer and say, hey, here's our carbon footprint. Here's all the other KPIs that are really interesting in terms of our environmental impact. But there will almost always be additional work to harmonize those efforts. There's so many decisions and assumptions that you have to make when you do an LCA. You need to harmonize those across to really make sure that you're speaking the same language. So with an ingredient supplier like InnovaFeed, we say, hey, we have this package, but these are the assumptions we made. And then here are the outputs based on those assumptions. And then you basically cross-reference. You say, hey, you made that assumption. We actually use this database instead. So let's try to swap that data and update the values to essentially harmonize the entire process. How will different aspects of the industry conducting life cycle assessments move the industry forward as a whole? What are the benefits to everybody getting on board with something like this? Is there additional language everybody will be able to speak? Will it transition us into just a more sustainable industry in general? What are some of the big picture benefits to individual companies doing life cycle assessments? I think one of the main benefits is to get people speaking the same language when it comes to sustainability and environmental impact. You know, we talked about the shortcomings there. There's going to be some nuance to that, but these methodologies are somewhat standardized in the sense that that is the goal to say, wherever you are in the value chain, wherever you are within the competitive set, you can discuss using the same metrics with other players. And I think the next aspect is transparency. You know, the, the hope is that there's transparency not only in the in the pet food sector and across all sectors about what the environmental impacts of, of brands are, of certain materials, certain inputs, and certain outputs of the system. But I think that with transparency offers like the ability to focus on what is most impactful at achieving true sustainability targets. And I think the LCA is a, a tool that can take this trend, this trend of sustainability, this vague topic, and try to quantify this thing. And to do that, you need to quantify it to to make an impact. And I think this tool is necessary in order for us to achieve our, our goals as an industry, as individual organizations, as collaborators, as livers on the planet. We've been talking a lot about the necessity of the life cycle assessment and how it's pretty much where everybody is moving towards. But there's still a cost benefit analysis that every company is going to need to do, particularly if they have limited resources, limited funds. Let's say they're a smaller company, either a smaller ingredient supplier, a smaller manufacturer, whatever it is. Let's break it down a little bit before we wrap up the pros and the cons of doing a life cycle assessment and some of the challenges that people might come up against and then why it's worth it and how they can overcome those challenges. Yeah, I think one of the main pros is life cycle assessments in general is quantifying this amoebus, vague sustainability thing. You can't improve what you can't measure. And that's precisely what LCAs try to do. And I think the LCA also strives to measure across the entire life cycle. So not just those direct impacts of your manufacturing process or your brand, but also everything that goes into that and everything that comes out of it. So an example I like to use is if you have a factory that just created a much more efficient process, but it requires you to switch a raw material and use a different raw material. So you might've made some efficiency gains in your factory, but what if that raw material 
has a much worse environmental impact than the original raw material. You might have actually just netted out and been right back to the same square one that you were in the first place. But that's what LCA can kind of unlock for you is walk the walk while you're talking the talk. And so some of the limitations of the LCA are things that I mentioned before. So it's inherently a simplification of reality or a model. So there is plenty of assumptions that go into this. It's next to impossible to perfectly measure every single aspect of a particular product or service. So you have to make assumptions. Another thing is that it's a snapshot or a picture in time and not really a dynamic tool. So there's a need for companies to create ramp down curves for their environmental impact and potentially measure their life cycle assessments at multiple stages of their organization. There's also a need for each industry to define their own preferred methodologies to ensure that they're comparing apples to apples. I mentioned that there's sometimes an incongruence between the assumptions made between different levels of the value chain and create some confusion and extra efforts to harmonize. So that could be a helpful opportunity down the line. And finally, and I think one of the biggest limitations is that LCA and measuring carbon impacts doesn't provide an exhaustive picture of ESG concerns. LCA is one piece to the ESG puzzle. It doesn't take into account trade-offs among environmental, economic, social, technical aspects. It really is setting out to do one purpose, and that's to measure the environmental impacts of a particular product or service or organization. One example of this is fish meal. And I don't want all the fish meal people to, to come yell at me, but aquaculture is one of our biggest markets. And there is a need across aquaculture to invest in fish meal alternatives for two reasons. One, the fish meal supply is not really keeping up with the demand for seafood. And two, the marine resource depletion on fish meal production really has affected marine biodiversity. So while fish meal from a carbon impact perspective might actually not look that bad on a life cycle assessment, it doesn't take into account things like biodiversity. It doesn't take into account the depletion of marine resources that are an important piece of that ESG puzzle. So while the LCA is a great tool in the toolkit, it's not the only tool. What is the timeline of an LCA? Is this months? Is it years? Typically, the timeline depends on the complexity of your organization, but the timeline for us is really, you know, months. It could be a six-month engagement to kind of go through that process and ensure you're going through all the inputs, you're meeting with your provider, and you're going through that standard methodology, essentially. Since one of the limitations you mentioned is that it's not a dynamic tool, it really is a snapshot in time going forward if the industry is going to continue to stay on top of stuff like this, what do you think is going to be a reasonable expectation for LCAs? Is this something people are just going to be doing constantly? Is it a once a year, once every three years? Well, the most important thing with an LCA is establishing the tool itself. A good example of like what can affect LCA results greatly is scale. So InnovaFeed, for example, is scaling up our production. And obviously, when you triple in your production across just an incrementally bigger footprint, you're going to be able to spread out. Your impact on a per unit basis is going to be lower. So for us, we now have worked with that consultant to essentially establish that tool. And we can then use the tools that we have and essentially measure our performance to that based on the inputs that we've given. So while it doesn't really require a new engagement 
a full new six month startup for conducting an LCA every year. Our commitment at Anova Feed is to basically measure our performance in an annual report every year. So we'll basically take the output, the tool that we now have at our disposal that is perfectly tailored to our business model and our production system. And we will measure that impact based on the things that have changed. And a lot of the things that have changed are kind of the scale, the process getting more efficient as a result. Well, Sean, I really appreciate you coming on and talking about all this with me today. I think it's a great preview to what you'll be speaking about at Pet Food Forum. It's a good basis for what a life cycle assessment is and all the complexities involved, which really fits in really well with how complex the idea of sustainability is getting in the industry because it's not a one-size-fits-all phrase and there's not an official definition that everybody can agree on. It seems to mean something different to everybody depending on where you are in the industry, what part of the industry you're working in, and just in the world at large, even down to where your production plants are in the world can mean something different for sustainability. So trying to break down anything having to do with sustainability is a complex prospect right now. So I really appreciate you coming on to help me have this conversation. Before we go, I want to do a little plug. Where can people find more information about you and InnovaFeed? Well, first of all, come see me at the Pet Food Forum, where I'll be speaking on this very topic. And, and second of all, connect with us on LinkedIn. Uh, connect with me, connect with InnovaFeed. We try to kind of spread the word on, on all things insect ingredients and sustainability on that platform. And it'd be a great opportunity to connect about how we come up with solutions in the pet food industry in particular. Once more, like he said, Sean Madison will be speaking on quantifying the environmental impact of pet food ingredients and products via life cycle assessment as one of our concurrent sessions at Pet Food Forum 2023 being held May 1 through 3 in Kansas City, Missouri. You can find more information about Pet Food Forum at PetFoodForumEvents.com and we hope to see you there. That's it for this episode of Trending Pet Food. You can find us on PetFoodIndustry.com, SoundCloud, or your favorite podcast platform. You can also follow us on Instagram at Trending Pet Food Podcast. And if you want to chat or have any feedback, I'd love to hear from you. Feel free to drop me an email, podcast at PetFoodIndustry.com. Once again, I'm Lindsay Beaton, your host and editor of Pet Food Industry Magazine, and we'll talk to you next time. Thanks for tuning in. 